episode 101 we go in and presents here with the incomparable naps and dreads back for our second interview man you just released photos from the dark room with knots how's life going man yeah i'm going pretty well actually man uh right now the digi packs are selling out pretty much um i'm still working on trying to get the vinyl going um it's uh it's one of those records man i'm very proud of it's something where I wish I put a little bit more. I wish I had a little bit of, of a machine behind it. But you already know how the music biz right now is, man. You put something out right now, and it's, all, it's already on to the next one, man. But I'm uh, very proud of this one, man, in comparison to the uh, into the first record that we, me and Notch did. It's less features, but I just love the beat selection and the, the vibe on, on this one. It's a little bit more personal. No, I would say the same thing. I mean... I love Trouble in Paradise, but I think Photos from the Dark Room really showcases your writing ability, your storytelling, and really just the way that you dig back into your past and really just get super lyrical, but also um, really weave concepts together. Um, what changed really for you from the 2018 Trouble in Paradise album with Knots to Photos from the Dark Room that you released this year? Well, I wanted to circle back with a lot of the different individuals that um, was on Trouble in the Paradise. My first, the first one I wanted to tap in when I was actually working with on the album was uh, was Fred the Godson. And uh, rest in peace. That was around COVID time, man. Um, and yeah, he dropped out, man. You know what I mean? So he, he wasn't able to be on the record. Um, I still got DJ Eclipse on there and stuff. Um, and uh no i didn't have cyrus the shield on on there but yeah that's probably the only one that's that's been on that that was on the trouble in the paradise and this one as well um what changed man uh i released a few albums since trouble in the paradise man super Braff, um don't make me famous uh i think yeah i released two records since trouble in the paradise man and uh so then we have this one here um uh, you know just a lot of life things that happened, man. Uh, not, nothing, nothing too much with me, thank God, but just uh, a lot of different experiences, man. And I just wanted to uh, make this, you know, just listening to the different beats that I was getting sent by Knots. A lot of them were much, much slower tempo. And so I was really digging, you know, trying to find a good selection of, uh, of beats that, you know, they were all mostly kind of slow, a slower tempo, but I wanted to find some that were a little bit up upbeat so that uh you know to give the record a little bit more flavor of a variety do you think notch was intentionally sending you slower beats or beats that were kind of like a vision he also had for this album well i, I don't want to say he was just sending me the beats because i was picking them as well too the thing is uh, i think notch is in a phase right now where he's just making a lot of slower beats and notch is kind of already known for making slower beats in a sense so what i mean by that is like you know, like mid seventy BPM, like a lot of the beats he's sending me are mid seventies, uh, like low eighties. You know, nothing in the nineties range. I think there's only one record that I got on the album that's like in the nineties, and that's the the little Blondie sample joint, uh, and, and you don't stop. So it's really, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> how should I say this, man? Um, it's like going into the low store. It's like going into the polo store in in the winter, man. It's like you're not going to get spring, you're not getting any, uh, you might get some spring, spring, uh, spring clothes on discount, 
you know what I mean, or some fall clothes on discount, but for the most part, you pick it from when you're picking out of the winter selection, the, the, the winter collection, you know what I mean? No doubt, man. And I know you're really versatile as an MC, but like, is there a specific beat style that you really prefer? To be honest with you, rapping to some of these slow beats is, uh, is a pain in the ass for me, man, because uh, I feel like I'm, I'm rapping like, uh, especially when I, it's just a song with just me on it, I feel like I'm doing like two songs in one because it's so, it's so much uh, space in between the beats that uh, I like to fill up a lot of the gaps and sometimes I like to, you know, let the beat breathe other times, but you can't just let every single beat breathe. You know what I mean? So sometimes I find myself writing way too much, saying way too much because the beat is much slower. You know what I mean? So I think my pocket is somewhere around like uh, 89, 90, 92, 93, because when the beat is at that tempo, it's, it's kind of driving, it's kind of driving the music and driving my pen in a sense. You know what I mean? That's how I feel, man, because some of these Nas beats, um, when I hear them, they're so inspiring. And then when I actually get and I sit down and, and, and I start writing, writing to them, I'm like, whoa, that's when I start to realize this beat is slower than I thought it was. You know what I mean? And I'm not, it's not, it's not slow like you got to rap double time or anything like that to it. It's just the tempo was just slow. So you just got to rap slower. Yeah, and I could see that being kind of kind of throwing 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 you off a little bit. How how do you how do you kind of um, compensate for that? Like, do you, do you switch anything in your writing process to really fit the tempo of the beat? Do you have to slow things down? Like, how how do you really look like approach a slower beat, knowing that it, that might not be your ideal BPM? Well, one thing I one thing I try to do is I I, I try not to fight with the beat, right? Um, I try and it, I. Don't get me wrong, right? I picked all of these beats and I love every single one of them. And it's not as, I just want to say that it's a little bit more uh, technical to write to because um, it's not a driving, it's not driving you, you know what I mean? It's not driving the pen. So when it comes to beats like that in particular, um, I like to listen to it. I like to listen to the rhythm of it. And I, and I don't want to fight with the beat. I don't want to make the beat fast sound faster than it, it, it needs to sound you know what I mean so I, I I try to pick different elements out of the beat listen to the drum the bass line um sometimes when I write my hooks I listen to the bass line and I go with the bass line you know what I mean whether it be some kind of harmonization um or just the, just the temp just the, the rhythm of the beat you know what I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to fit uh a square peg into a round hole, you know what I mean? As they would say, you know what I mean? I, and that's what kind of makes, you know, the, the marriage between writing rhymes and, and, and making beats and putting them together special because you don't want to do more than the beat and you don't want the beat to do more than you. You know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of like that, man. I mean, even like, if you listen, like there's a, a record on there called and you don't stop. And the first thing that came to mind is, and you don't stop, but it sounds cliche. Like, all right, don't stop. Okay, what am I? What am I gonna talk about? Don't, not stopping about. You know what I mean? Um, I, um, there's a vocal sample in there, so I, I want. I don't want to rap too much over the vocal sample, so I'm gonna let the vocal sample kind of complement my lyrics. You know what I mean? So it, it's 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 a lot of those different things, right? I mean, just just working with the beat, whatever the beat is telling you to do, do it, and don't do too much more. Right. So what's that process like with knots in terms of going back and forth 
really from, you know, getting the beats, picking beats to getting a finished song. What does that process look like between you two? Well, I want to say in the first, the first album that we did was a little bit more collaborative. We spoke a lot more. Um, I don't know what kind of space Knots is in or was in when we recorded it. Uh, we didn't speak too much, right? I don't know if it was kind of like, um, hey, hey, young blood, like you got this, man. You don't need, you don't need my, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't really need my assistant. But what, you know, he would chime in on certain different little things, right? I mean, um, like he'll tell me the delay might be down. It was more mixing related stuff, like not not anything that would be um, like content wise, right? Um, he normally with with knots, man, because. <laughs> Not just so busy or it's so hard to get in touch with sometimes. Um, typically when I when when he sends me a beat, it's not the full beat. So I'll sit there and I'll listen to it for a little bit and I'll say, Okay, this is how I want the sequence to be. Uh and then I'll send him the sequence and he'll knock it out for me and he'll send it back. If I don't do that, if I if I just record to just what he sends me initially and then it, and the song is done. I might be waiting around for a good two weeks to a month to get back to sequence beat, and it's just gonna throw off my vibe. And then, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I want to keep it moving, and I, I want to listen to the finished product. I don't want to wait around after after I'm done slaving over writing the rhymes to get the beat a whole month later. You know what I mean? So I, I try to stay on top of on top of like the the, the uh working with knots man and make sure that like i strike when the iron is hot anytime he sends me stuff because if i come back and circle back around after the iron gets cold it's almost like it's hard to get in touch with him or he's out of town or the beat is not in the studio or it's not at his house or it's something you know what i mean so and that and that's a mood killer for me man it, it almost makes me want to like not like uh um <laughs> I ain't even gonna go there, man. We'll, we'll we'll talk about uh we'll talk about some other things that's related to me me doing my own production. But um, I love working with Nas, bro. The only thing is, is just that, like I said, you gotta strike where the iron is hot. When um when he's communicating, you try to get the most out of it, and that that's what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's not really like uh, it's not like we're we're like uh um sitting down in the same studio. And, and working on it. I wish we were, but I'm in Florida and he's in VA. So, um, yeah, that it, but that's how most people work nowadays, right? I mean, most people are not in the studio together anyway, so, which would be great, but that's not always the case. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And, and talking to a lot of artists, they wish that there was a lot more like in-studio opportunities to really collaborate. You know, looking at how you guys have to do, you know, the distance collaboration, uh, what do you think it is between you two that really just leads to such a good chemistry on on the records? It's funny you say that, man. And uh, a lot of people really say that to me, man. Like when I release albums, they always say, oh, uh, and well, when I release an album with Knots, which is just my second one, I mean, they, but we've had many different songs that have not been albums that have been on individual albums of, of mine. Um, but they've always come out and said, Oh, um, you guys are like you guys make like the best duo since uh, uh, um, Premier and Guru or something like that, and it always blows my mind because I'm thinking about all the different people that Nats has worked with, and and 
sometimes I, I want to like uh, put myself in other people's shoes and, and hear what they're hearing, right? I mean, um, I always tell people this, man. Like I didn't really, I knew, I know not from little brother, little, him working with little brother. Like I didn't know him from like Buster Rhymes and, and, and um, all these other mainstream artists that he worked with in the past, right? So me and his relationship kind of started organically, like me not even being fanned out or any kind of, uh, I just I just recognized like a dope bass line and drums and I play drums. So it's almost like, and if you listen to Knox's interview sometimes, you know, he says that he gets his inspiration, like his bass lines a lot from Jamaican, uh, like reggae, reggae uh, instrumentation and music, right? So that I can see that because I hear it. I hear the different nuances that he does with his bass lines and stuff and how it's so unpredictable sometimes. And that's definitely what like reggae music ha and the bass lines and reggae music is uh, kind of ca catering towards, right? Um, they play a lot by hand. It's not, it's not drum machine bass lines that most reggae music and uh, culture um, and even dancehall like bass line. Like, you know what I mean? Like these guys are playing their bass guitars in their hands and, and these bass lines are all coming up um, organically out their heads. So um, I, I, I don't know. I can't even tell you, man. Like uh, the, the thing with, I just, I like, I like not beats, man. Like, I like a lot of people's beats, but I think when I listen to his beats, it makes me want to rap, which I think okay. a, a lot of people, a lot of people say that, but I don't know if it's just, uh, it's just a pocket within some of his beats. Don't get me wrong. Not every single beat I like of not. Um, I'm very, very picky when it comes to picking beats. So whatever beats you hear me get on with knots, it's, it's gotta be one that I really, really like. Like it was never, I've had issues where um, he'll send me a beat that he thought I wanted and I didn't want that one. And, I, and he's upset, like, yo, what do you mean? You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, I didn't, I didn't like this one, man. This is not the one I wanted. You know what I mean? For sure, man. How, how did that collaboration even come about in the first place? Like, how did you guys meet and really get to even working together? Yeah, man. I think it was, um, uh, I think it was in like 2008. Uh, I was on Twitter a while um, in 2008, I think, man. And uh, that, mind you, like I said, there was a song by Little Brother called "Life of the Party," and I think uh, Carlita Duran was singing on the hook mm. on the "Life of the Party," something like that, right? It's a and great song, Ponte, yeah. Ponte in the beginning was like, "My nigga, not on the beat," and I used to always play that song over and over and over again. And so that that the intros and every single word in that song would always stick in my head. So I seen, you know, I wasn't following Knotts or anything like that, man. I didn't know who Knotts was, bro. I just thought he made beats for Little Brother. And then one day I seen him, uh, I seen him make a post saying, um, uh, "Who's working? Send me some, uh, send me your music. Um, I'm working on a mixtape called Welcome Home." Um, let me hear some of your music or something like that. Like he was just sending, sending it out to uh, to different people. I mean, like just just a tweet. So I sent sent him my music, and he was like, "Yo, I'm really feeling this. I want to I want to put it on uh, I want to put it on um the mixtape." I'm like, "All right, cool." I'm thinking that like he's you know he's he's putting out a mixtape with like multiple different artists 
Um, it's probably going to be about 50 songs or something like that. I have no clue. Um, like maybe a month or two later, it comes out. And every single song on the mixtape was produced by him, mm. except my song. <laughs> so there, And there was only like 12 songs on it. So I'm like, how the hell is this a mixtape? I'm used to like a mixtape being like 25 songs, 30 songs. It was like literally legitimately like an album of all of his songs. And just my song, just my song that wasn't produced by him. And I remember thinking to myself, like, because this was back when he was doing stuff with Asher Roth. Um, he had the the, uh, the the Asher Roth album he was working yeah. on. Yeah, like Roth. So all, a lot of those songs was on, yeah, Rother or something like that. Um, that, you know, a lot of those songs was on the mixtape and then my song was on it. So I asked him, I said, yo, man, I said, I said, uh, you got, I, I didn't know that this was a mixtape with just, just, you know, because he was soliciting it to everybody. You know what I mean? And he was like, yeah, man, you know, you know, I got with I got with my peoples and they were saying, yeah, man, like they really was feeling your record, man. And so I, and he was like, yo, we need to we need to do something. So that was around the time when I was uh, working on Blood Cloud One. And so he sent me he sent me uh, like a three or four beats, or something like that. yo. And I ended up choosing, I think, two or three. I can't remember if I have three Knox records or two on, on Blood Cloud One. But either way, um, one of them was uh, had Bishop Lamont on it, and another one was, uh, um, damn, uh, what was it? I can't remember. Um, damn. Um, I'm going to pull it up real quick. But anyways, um, that's how we started working back in the day, man. Like, uh, he literally um, made a tweet, and then I, it was funny because after we, I started working with him, I sent some of my homies the, the songs that I started working on with him. And he was like, they were like, uh, yo, oh, Voltron. So it's Voltron, um, Clowning, which is uh, produced by uh, by Knott as well. Oh, we did three songs and No Love. And so so it was No Love, uh, Clowning, featuring Bishop Lamar, and then Voltron. So there was three records off of the Blood Clot 1 album that came out, I think, in 2010. And... Um, and I remember sending like some of those songs to some of my peoples and they was like, yo, this is the same, like, how you spell it? And I was like, N-O-T-T-Z. He's like, yo, that's the same knots from uh, Buster Rhymes, you know, and all of them. I'm like, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I know him from Little Brother. And he's like, bro, go look up the discography on this guy, man. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, whoa, okay, wow. Yeah. Didn't know. <laughs> Didn't know, man. But the type of person I am, man, like I said, I'm not going to be, I, I treat everybody the same, man. Like, um, I really do treat everybody the same, man. Like, uh, I don't know if it's the way, like, I, I didn't grow, I mean, I'm from Florida, bro. Like, I'm not in, I'm not in New York, I'm not in New York or a lot of these different areas where everybody is like, it's all hip-hopped out. So I treat everybody like just as a musician, you know what I mean? So he could have worked with Buster Rhymes, you know what I mean? And, or, or Michael Jackson or whoever, man, like I'm, I'm not going to change who I am and I'm not going to treat them like royalty or anything like that. They're going to get my, their flowers and my respect. You know what I mean? But I, I'm, I'm the same with everybody, man. You know what I mean? So I think that's why me and Nas got a, that kind of different relationship is because I'm not like, uh, um, damn, what's the right word to, 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 to put it, man? Like, uh, I think he look, I think he sees me as like, um, easy going to work with, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, working with me is easy going because I'm not going to be fighting you over shit. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be calling and blowing up your, your phone and, yo, 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 where you at, man? You know what I mean? This song is going to be amazing. You know? I don't know. Just easy, no. just easy going, man. And most people say that shit, too. Like, working with me is just easy going, man. Like, you know, I have my input on a lot of things because I'm very musical and very perfectionist-wise, but I always find a way to get to a, get to a point where I'll say, all right, man, now, now, now this is good and it's done, you know? That's awesome. And, you know, on another note, did you check out the May the Lord Watch Little Brother documentary yet? Nope. That's on my list, man. I can't wait, man. Yo. Let me tell you something, man. Um, like I said, when I first heard Little Brother, and this is the life of the party and all that stuff came afterwards, right? I mean, I'm from like the, the Chitlin circuit and the uh, the listening era and all of that stuff. Um, and uh, did they call it the Chitlin circuit? I think they did call it. The yeah, the mixtape. Yeah, yeah, the mixtape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the listening. So I remember like uh, it was hard to get those albums back then. This was when Facebook had first came out, bro, and you had to have like a a college account, a college email to get Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, bro. Yeah, I remember, like, you know what I mean? I was in my, 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 my computer programming class, man, and niggas was like, yo, man, um, because they knew I was always trying to download albums and stuff back then, and if he was like, yo, if you can get that listening album, I'll shoot you 20 bucks for it, man. I'm like, yo, man. So I ended up finding a way to get the listening album, and I started listening. That's how I started listening to them, man, you know? And so then they had, uh, you know, they had that uh, the joint, um, and it's good with Joe Scudder and um, and uh, you know uh, Fonte and and rapper Pooh, man. Me and rapper Pooh actually were supposed to do some do some uh, some songs back in the day, man. But you know how it is with people, man. Sometimes people will be like, yeah, let's work, but you know when it actually comes down to it, man, you know either both sides are not ready to work or there's just different things going on in each other's lives but um yeah man i love little brother though man i mean i never would have thought that they would um be as big as as they are right now but as they, they persevered and they continued to uh put out dope music man and it, their music is so different than the regular kind of uh hip-hop boom bap shit because their music is not necessarily hardcore, you know. It's not hardcore, boom bap, but it's 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 the lyrics is is dope. And as a group, it, they all complement each other, man. Especially when Ninth is in it, you know. Yeah. What I mean, they all complement each other. No, man. And I remember I, I was going through that same struggle, man. I think I eventually found the listening on like Soulseek or one of those download sites, but I was reading about it. it was yeah. yeah, and it was everywhere too. It was in like Herb, Vibe Magazine, or maybe not Vibe, but like Elemental Magazine, like all the message boards, like UGHH. And so like <laughs> I'm reading all about this album and I can't find it anywhere, it's, you know, and I think it sold out or it was like a, a, a low run from, you know, ABB. So I couldn't right, find right. The, the, the physical copy. So I was going through the same thing you were going through, trying to find that that just that you know any kind of songs off it because i'm reading all about you know ninth is the new pete rock you know all this stuff yeah and... right there was no streaming back then bro so it's all you know and i'm i'm pretty sure maybe in nc north carolina they were they were uh they it was probably much easier to get but 
where I was at, bro, it was no, there was no listening in the record stores, and somebody was hearing it somewhere, but <laughs> you know, dude, my for homie sure. From NC, who was in was in college with me, he's like, man, if you can get a hold of that record, man, I'll give you some money for it, bro, bro. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll find it, man. I'll, I'll be on LimeWire tonight. <laughs> man, that's that's amazing, or man. Or something, man. <laughs> Yeah, and you named your album, you titled your album Photos from the Dark Room. And, you know, we're in a we're in a digital era now where a dark room really is like, you know, kind of a dated technology. But it also has, you know, this whole process of developing film versus just taking taking photos off the phone. What does that the title Photos from the Dark Room really mean to you? Well, I'll tell you this, man. Um, one day because it, it took me a while, man, there was a lot of. Um... I mean, it was going to be Trouble in the Paradise Part 2, but I didn't want it to be that. Because remember I told you, like, if it was, um, I wanted a lot of the uh, the, the features from the um, the last album to be on that. Um, you know, I, like I said, Fred the Godson was not alive at that point. I spoke to Cormega, and, you know, Cormega was like, uh, um, you know, we had, like, kind of, like, this thing where he, he, he kind of, like, looked out for me on the verse to begin with. Um, in hopes that him and Nas could reconnect and they didn't seem to reconnect like I thought they were supposed to and I, maybe I think he thought that I was supposed to be like the uh, the one that was supposed to help with that and I didn't know I was supposed to be <laughs> but anyways we weren't able to connect on the on a verse for, for this one either uh, Vinny Paz was busy he was on tour um, I was able to get DJ clips and, you know, he did the cuts for Spill Milk um, on the original, on the first on the first album. Um, me and Murdoch, uh, we don't really talk too much anymore. Like, um, uh, there's a, you know, so so the, the vibe was totally different than, than the first album, right? So um, one day I was going through, because I was moving a lot of, or trying to fit up, uh, my, my studio um, has a lot of junk in it, man. I was just trying to, like, clear some of the clutter man and just try to like uh i'm a guy with like when i'm working on something like if i got a test to study for if i got something i need to do i don't I, I don't know if it's just me like just trying to find an excuse not to study or not to do shit i'll just start cleaning up stuff and like i have to get everything right before i start doing anything so mm -hmm. i started doing that and i came across a box of some old um old polaroid pictures and old pictures from back in the day um, of my like baby photos from me in Jamaica and different things like that. And I remember looking at these and thinking, damn, like and I even found like old, um, old, uh, um, like disposable cameras and stuff, man. I was like, I went to, and I went to the farm and like, I was like, wonder what's on this stuff, man. And I went to the, uh, went to the, the pharmacy because they had, they, they used, used to be able to bring these things in and they used to be able to develop them right then and there. And they're like, oh, no, you have to send it in, and it's going to take, like, two and a half weeks to come back. And I, so I was like, nah. You know? So I went back to the box, and I started looking through everything. And I was like, man, I'm like, these things look so prehistoric, man. So I was just, th I was already, like, in this mode of, like, all right, well, like, um, each of these pictures I'm looking through, they're, like, telling a story. Um, like, I remember, like, that specific moment in time, like, when I took these pictures it's so different than looking at them like digital photos. You know what I mean? Like you, digital photos, man, like, you you know, it's, it's so much different than looking at the hard copy in your hand. 
You know what I mean? So I was looking at these photos, man. I'm just like, damn, um, you know, like just the development of these, just for, you know, and it just I, it, I didn't take too long. Just for some reason, just like photos, photos from the dark room, just like popped up in my head, and then. I was always like a fan of like uh like uh Ghostbusters back in the day, man. And I remember like um uh they had this scene, man, where they were they were developing like uh, photos in the dark room and then Vigo, the the Carpathian, the the um the picture had um developed, man, that, that dude that they had on the wall. I don't know if you remember that movie. Um and he came out of the wall and he had a river of slime and all that stuff. Um <laughs> But either way, man, I always remember that. And then I started just looking up stuff online about dark rooms. And I just went down a whole rabbit hole about, like, you know, developing pictures. And, and I even wanted to get my own dark room at one point in time. Like, so I was so obsessed with that. But the whole idea of the whole photo dark room thing is, is that um, I wanted to tell a story in each song. Like, um, you know, like even the song with uh, um, my, um, On Earth Together, right? Um, I have a video out for that right now, by the way. But that song in general, man, is uh, um, I have, you know, like in a, a moment in time, man, where like uh, I remember coming from Jamaica and being up here and, and, you know, the only thing that I really loved the most was my bicycle because I could I could get any and everywhere I wanted to. Um, I would never let my kids just roam around the streets now like I was I used to do. But, you know, my bike was like my car back then. And I remember it got stolen. And I was like heartbroken, bro. And my uncle just, we went out there and we went looking. I didn't even know that guy. Look, he was, he, if he, I don't know what he would have did if he found whoever had stolen my bike, but we didn't find it. And he ended up buying me a new bike. And just these little different, small little memories, man. I just felt like I wanted to make a song out of all of them. You know what I mean? So not every song is a memory, but the majority of them are like that, right? I mean, or, or if not, I'm, I'm definitely bringing up some kind of, uh, something from the past or something that was in a photo at some moment in time. I mean, if you look at the fo- the cover um, of the album, man, um, the, uh, or even like the trailer of the album, there's different, like, you know, my, my, my cousin who, who was murdered um, three years ago, right? It was still an unsolved case. Um, he's on the cover of that, right? I mentioned him. I don't think I mentioned him in this album, but I've mentioned him in, in, in the past albums, right? So a lot of these photos and stuff are like, it's it's like some of them are good memories and some of them are bad memories. So it's almost like that's where I'm coming from when I mention the dark room. You know what I mean? That's another beat I tell you was one of the harder beats to write write to because it was uh the time signature on that was like three four, right? So it's not a typical one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four. It's more like a one, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three, four, you know, so and it's a slower beat too. So I wasn't going to rap fast to that, but it was definitely one of the, a more challenging beat, which I love because um, when you listen to it from a listener standpoint, if you can nail it, it sounds, it sounds unique. You know what I mean? Sounds different. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's one of my favorite songs off the album for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, me too. And it's it's it is one of those the the rhythm just the the structure of the beat like it's it's one of those kind of left field beats that you know not everybody's gonna really be able to rock to like that. That's what I'm saying, man. Did you check out the video? Yeah, I have not seen the video yet. Yeah, the video's there. It's got my son in it, man. It's like a whole production, bro. It's like my son is lit, like playing me as a as as when I was a kid. I mentioned 
remember I mentioned the whole bicycle thing and it getting stolen. So it's almost like my son is reenacting myself. Uh, he kind of looks just like me. So it's like you're looking at me as a kid and then it transitions to me being older and you see me and him in, in multiple different scenes too. So it's kind of dope, man. That's actually, awesome. Actually really dope. Really so what, what's it like to just bringing your son in on your music and really, you know, being able to share that kind of experience with them? Before I mention that, too, um, the, another another one that's, that, that, that brings um, uh, uh, memories to me is inspired by martial arts, because I used to take a lot of martial arts as a kid. And so I got a lot of pictures with trophies and videos and different things like that, too. So that's another record that's a, a depiction of, um, of the uh, concept of the album. But um, to answer your question with the with my son, it's always cool, man, because it's almost like he wants to be just like me. I got daughters too, but my, my son wants to be everything I do. I got to be careful because he wants to do everything that I do, right? So I got to make sure I'm being very, um, um, even even if, if I say a cuss word or something, it comes out, he's like, oh, you cuss. You know what I mean? And so it's, <laughs> it's almost like I got to be like how my parents were with me growing up now. I can't just be naps when I'm around them, but, um, you know, as I get older and as he gets older, um, he's starting to realize, um, like, who truly, who who I really am. And so he wants to be a lot more involved with the music. I mean, he's gotten involved. He's been on, like, my last album, like, just uh, Super Braff. He was on the intro. He, he was just basically saying, yo, you're listening to Young Naps. You're listening to my father. You know what I mean? He was just, like, doing a little shout-out on that. He was in the Stu Bangers video, uh, Dolo. Um, I can't remember what that album is on. I think that was Blood Clock 2, um, Dolo, produced by Stu Bangers. He's in that video. He's a little bit much younger, like two two years ago, I believe. He's eight now. So um, it's fun, man, but he's a little, he's kind of shy. He's shy a little bit, man. So, um, But as I was when I first started getting in front of cameras and different things like that, too. So, And plus, acting, man, is not something that, Sometimes acting, it can come naturally, and sometimes acting can be learned, right, or trained. So it's almost like I'm saying, there's one scene where we're telling him to get up out of the bed and just act normal. Just act like you're sleeping and wake up and get up out the bed and walk out the door. Mm. And every time he's getting up, getting out of the bed, he's like laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing about? There's nothing funny here, man. Like, And I'm getting upset. I'm like, bro, like this guy is here filming us, and we're taking like 15 minutes to record his little simple scene so i said you know what um i'm gonna step out the room as soon as i stepped out the room he nailed it in one take i'm like what the heck man that's crazy <laughs> you know I mean? of course the video guy was like it's, it, it, the video guy's like it's because of you man he's, he's like because of you you was in here man you're making him nervous i'm like oh okay i get it now that's Everything wild is psychology man <laughs> seriously man and and what was the, the 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 thinking behind some of the titles being all capitalized and some being lowercase? Was that intentional? Um. Well, yeah. Some of them were. Some of them is intentional, right? Um. Obviously, the first record of the um. In Jamaican, when you say "mad," that means like, "Yo, that's crazy." So instead of putting an exclamation mark, I just put I just put a, put a M A A D all in, in 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 uh all in caps. Obviously, stick up, you know, instead of just emphasizing the use of, like, exclamation marks, I just, you know, 
just wanted to be a little different with the track list, man. It wasn't too, uh, it wasn't anything too, um, too, uh, I don't know, thought provoking that I, I felt like, like I needed to do. Right? I mean, who really? I mean, I don't want to say who really cares about what the track list look like, because you do. But and I did that intentionally. But um, I mean, there's only like two or three songs that really had like uppercase, and the rest of them were kind of lowercase, right? So. You know, ones are uppercase doesn't mean that they're better than the others. It just, I just felt like uh, those words in particular looked better capitalized than yeah. others. You know, that those those are the kind of things that stand out to me. So I'm always interested just like, you know, what that, that, that process is like, man, you know. And and sometimes, that's, sometimes that's, that's a part of it too, right? I mean, for people like you who think, who, who, who like to think about, you know the 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 thought process behind why certain things are the way they are because i'm not i'm that way too like i'll look and i'll see somebody's uh even a like a mainstream artist and i'll look and i'm like every other song is like uppercase or lowercase or back in the day when we used to type on a, and on, on the internet we used to like have every other letter up was uppercase or something like that and so i would see that too and i would always wonder like it's either looking really sloppy or somebody's trying to be very creative over there. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. It either looks really sloppy and I don't know how to take this album seriously or it's a creative process. You know what I mean? I've seen it before, man. Um, and sometimes these streaming platforms don't allow you to do that. You know, it allow you to go too crazy with, with how you do your capitalizations and how you, you know, your little special characters and all that, you know? Right. No, for sure. It's it's um, it, it seems like there's different rules across different platforms. So you kind of got to figure out how to meet the requirements of all of them at this point. So that kind of leads into my next question, too, in terms of like, what do you have to do to really be successful in 2023 to get heard today? Especially when you, you know, you, you referenced earlier in the interview just how quickly fans can move on from one project to another. Like, what can you do to make sure that you're getting heard and that you're really um, putting yourself in, in the most successful position possible? You know what, man? That's a really tough question to ask. Cause I think every, uh, every to answer, because I think everybody's different. Um, to be honest with you, I wish that I could. Um, I feel like you have to do a lot of extracurricular stuff to get attention nowadays because and and I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie to you, bro. Like I, I'm at a phase right now where I'm like on the fence about whether I, I, whether rap is even really hitting for me like how I used to anymore, man. You know, like um, like. I very rarely am I like impressed or feel like uh you know um this music is uh is is going in the right direction I would say mm-hmm. because it's either sounding like everybody's sounding the same they're using the same kind of beats or it just sounds like I I want to call it garbage because I kind of like it it's missing substance and even when there's some songs with substance it's like it doesn't connect with me anymore for some reason so I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find that love again. And I know it'll come back around. I think I just, uh, and it's not about going back and listening to old music or listen. You know, a lot of people say good music is out there. You just got to find it, bro. I mean, music, like, I, I don't know if I'm just tired of music in general. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what it is like, or, or 
Like I just had a, I just had an issue with um with somebody about the whole Andre 3000 album, like right, and and some people think that you know I don't know how you feel about it, but listen, man, I mean I'm not no flute connoisseur or, or flute fan uh, of, of stuff like that, and I'm not really gonna sit down and listen to front to back a whole album with just flutes in it, but I can appreciate. I can appreciate his uh, his his vulnerability, it being being vulnerable enough to say, "Yo, man, like this is not a surprise. Like you've seen me walking around playing flutes. You need to look at me like I'm a flute player right now, not as a rapper. So your expectations of me, you're putting expectations on me that I'm not able to deliver to you, and that's not your fault, and that's not Andre 3000's fault. That's Andre wanting to still be creative, but he's in a different space and you just have to appreciate that man and so i just look at it like that man and i'm like yo bro like the you know any any music that i work on right now i have to find a way to not make it sound like how i i've been making my music sound like i want my style to sound the same but i, I need my content to sound different i need i need something to make me want to keep on doing this you know what i mean i i need i need to find another cheat code to this thing right and it's so it's difficult man you know what i mean um streaming has taken away a lot of um a lot of uh um revenue from 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 rappers man and from from artists in general and sometimes that that was the driving force with i mean we've we already come out of pocket a lot of money just to make some of these records so when you put the album out and you're not really getting that feedback from people that you you want so that you can push forward and have the enthusiasm to do something else again. You know what I mean? Maybe you didn't put enough marketing money into your, into it. So your album is good, but maybe a lot of people are not hearing it. They don't even know it exists. So that's a problem in it, in itself, right? The other day I looked at my streaming number. I see, I seen uh, some money coming to my account that it was an abnormal amount, man. And I looked and I, and I seen I had, over five million streams in in the month of August of this year from from an Instagram reel, and I'm like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Who? Where did I get five million streams from from an Instagram post? <laughs> where is this at? You know what I mean? Somebody used my music and some post that they put up, and it ran up over a million, five point six million streams. That's wow. the most that I've ever had, and it was just one song. The intro to to the Knots album, the first song on the Knots album, and just for everybody's context, I mean just for everybody's knowledge, 5.6 million streams only netted me 276 dollars. Are you serious? So, very serious. So, that just goes to show you right there what streaming really does to an artist, man. Like, you know, like. I'm happy that 5 million people got to hear one of my songs, but I have no idea who these people are. I have no idea why 5 million streams only equates to 200 and some dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine if I had sold that one song for a dollar? It's wild. 5 million people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, it's a lot of that, right? It's a, it's a lot of just, just, just it's like the industry just wants to discourage you from from uh, being great because there's so many people out there that's just putting out bullshit 
like when I say bullshit, I mean like they they're not really taking their time to really to putting their heart and soul into the music. It's almost like they're just going in the studio. They got to be either somebody wrote the rhyme for them, or they just did some shit real quick and they put it out. You know what I mean? And not only that, man. I mean, just making videos. It's 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 very tiring, bro. You know, so. My whole thought process going forward right now, and I, I've been telling a lot of people this, is just I want to get into a creative space where I'm a producer and I'm going to produce all my beats and I'm going to rap and I'm going to make all my raps. <laughs> I'm going to write all my raps, which I have been, obviously, and uh, record my own, record everything that I, ha I have been, and mix my own shit. So my next album or the next album after that is going to be everything entirely produced, recorded, mixed, mastered by me. And that's going to be the most funnest album ever because, and that's what's going to keep me going because I'm going to be able to sit down with my own music for the first time and come up with the most craziest shit I could possibly come up with because I have all hands on deck on everything. I don't have to wait on somebody, I don't have to, wait on somebody to send me back some, you know what I mean? Or, or, or wait or I have to pay somebody to mix this or, or, or pay somebody for a beat, you know what I mean? No, I I love that, um, and really like like taking taking that agency, putting it all putting it all in your own hands, man. So like, what what should we expect next from you? Well, I'm working on Blood Clot Three. I'm working on Blood Clot Three. That's gonna have multiple different producers on it. Notch is still gonna be on it. Um, Ayatollah is gonna be on it. Drugs Beach is gonna be on it. Um, I'm just talking about producers right now because um, that's where I like to start from first and then I work with the features after the fact. Um, uh, man, off the top, I'm trying to think of a lot of other producers that I got on there. But, you know, some pretty good names, that talented producers that I've been worked with in the past. And this is going to be a much more grimier version of Blood Clot 1 and 2 because I've always wanted to... Uh, people think that I just be... I'd be soling out, man. Like not soul, not selling out. Like soul, like like the music I'm making is more soulful than anything else. But in fact, you know what I mean. Like I I first started in the whole making music off of battle rap, man. So and I got to bring back that griminess again, yo. Because there's a lot of people that that probably think that I'm I stepped away from that a little bit, but. That's not really the case, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's all about the beats that you pick. And so you got to, like I said, you got to just uh, adapt to the beats that you pick. But the next time is going to be much more grimier. And then after that, like I said, it's going to be grimy again, but it's going to be all of my beats. It's going to be much more experimental. Um, there were some albums that I was supposed to work with some other producers, but I don't think it's, it's it might happen anytime soon. I, you know, I had some things I was supposed to do with Jay Sinai. Um... I got some work I'm working with with the specialist that's with uh Jay Swift and uh and DJ Static. Um and uh damn man, um I know me and Bad Seed, you know, he, he got a six man album he's coming out with, I'm on that. Um yeah, man. I'm actually bro, to be honest with you, um I'm trying to get into a more production kind of uh um space right now because like I said uh, I feel like I'm a little bit burnt out with rapping so much. I've been rapping for so long. I got over like nine albums. And that's not 
that much in the space of what everybody is doing right now. But a lot of people put out albums and they only got like six songs on it. When I put out albums, I got over 15, 20 songs on each on each album, man. You know what I mean? So, and it's 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 a strain, man. It's you know it's production, it's mixing, mastering, it's time, it's videos, it's the whole deal, man. You know what I mean? And so sometimes that thing can drain you, man, just to come back around and start working on another album again. I got to be able to experience a little bit of life again and and come back around and be able to talk about some new shit. You know what I mean? For sure. So that's what that's what I'm working on, man. Definitely uh, Blood Clot 3. Um, not this year. Early next year probably come out. And then um, that next one, exper- that experimental album I'm going to be working on. And I even was thinking about maybe maybe that'll be the one where I work on, like, Naps and Dreads, where, like, I have, like, an alter ego for Naps and another one for Dreads and, and kind of, like, do it that way. I don't know, man. I, I'm just, like I said, trying to keep things fresh and interesting and, and conceptualize a lot of different um, ideas that I have, man. No doubt, man. Before we bounce, can you take us through just the writing process of of how a Naps and Dreads verse really comes comes together? Yeah, I mean, um, so usually throughout the day or throughout the week, especially when I'm driving, I have like different ideas that come to me, man. So my phone, I just like, um, has like just multiple ideas that just, it could be, sometimes it'll just be like a one liner. Um, like I just go through my phone. Like I'll just have a one liner. Like, uh, I mean, the other day I just wrote, um, uh, uh man, some of these are very whack. But either point I'm trying to make it, I have a one liner or two that are come come to me in my head and I put it in my up uh, my phone. Or what what I try to do is I'll be even more efficient and I'll have a one liner that comes to me in my head and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna finish up that bar. So I have two bars right there. So what'll end up happening is is that I have all these ideas stuffed in my phone or in my head and then when I actually it comes time to sit down and actually write the rhyme um I'll first start off with not even going to my phone like I just listen to the beat because I want to see how it starts delivery yeah if I can if I can figure out two things what the hook is going to sound like either after my first verse or how I start my first verse once I figure out those two things the song is pretty much done because I'll tell you one thing if I can figure out how to start the song, the first few words, the first few bars, the first two or four bars, then that means that I can, you know, I can start incorporating some of the ideas that I collected throughout the day or the week. And then that'll finish up my first verse. And then once I do that, I come up with the hook. Once I come up with the hook, I like to start my second verse kind of flowing off of the hook. You know what I mean? Because some people just be doing hooks and it don't got nothing to do with nothing. But I like when I, sometimes the second verse got to be stronger than the first verse, right? So I like coming off of the hook, like whatever I say last on the hook, I might even repeat it when the second verse starts. You know what I mean? Or or, or say something along the lines of the hook for the second verse, just to, just to get the listener engaged in the concept of that particular song so Mm. i mean that's my writing process man it's not really too uh, oh and once i actually finish writing the song 
Um, I'll probably go through an OCD phase where I listen to it for about a thousand times. And then I will then scrap the whole recording and re-record the whole thing again, um, in which I will go through a whole nother OCD process of listening to myself and wondering whether or not I say this word correctly or that word correctly. I'll get the ad-libs and the overdubs right, and I'll probably have multiple takes of those things and until I come to a, a final conclusion that I've just exhausted myself on this, and this is how it sounds. Mm. And then I'll, then I'll send it to somebody else after I've sent the original recording, and then they'll tell me, the original one was better. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> after I've done spent a whole two weeks uh, you know, just slaving over a song. So, but nah, nah, nah. Just all, all jokes aside, sometimes I, I do. Sometimes, depending on the beat, like I mentioned, I've had beats where like I've gotten them and I've like done a whole song within like twenty minutes. Or it depends on if like who's in the in the, in the room with me. Like I, I wrote songs with like Rex in the room. Uh, Rex, me and him did a few songs together when he, was, he used to be down here. And same thing with Bad Seed. And I finished the, the the songs like the the verses like right on the spot, and I, I don't norm, I don't normally write like that. I, I normally write in like segments. Like I write like four bars, I record the four bars, and then I listen to the four bars like forty times, <laughs> and then I write the next eight bars, and I record that, <laughs> and then I have like a twelve bar song, and then I will send it to somebody, and then they're like, "Where's the rest of it?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, I got to finish up the last four. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that, that, and that's that's what happens when you have your own studio, because then that means uh, you have your own. You know, you're not you're not paying for studio time. You everything is uh, right as you, at your disposal.